Every doctor she sees tell her, tells her she has to abort because the risk is too high. Well, Dr. Nelson says, okay, here's what you have to do. So for the first time in this woman's life, she sticks to her diet and her meds, and she turns her life around because she wants this child. This is Caring for Both, a curbside consult series by the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists, where experts offer insights on what it means to provide evidence-based, life-affirming health care to both pregnant women and their preborn children. We upload new episodes every Thursday. I'm your host for today, Miriam Diallo. This is part two of a two-part conversation with theologian and writer Dr. Grattan Brown in which we discuss Dr. Brown's ongoing essay series highlighting the voices and stories of pro-life medical professionals. In the first half of this conversation, we discuss Dr. Brown's inspiration for the series, as well as a couple of the examples uh, of the essays he's written so far. In part two of this conversation, we go more into broader insights for medical professionals, some resources that medical professionals can check out, and more. Let's jump into it. One notable aspect of these articles is that your co-authors, like like Dr. Bain, uh, base their insights not only from data and research, but also from their personal experiences serving patients with unplanned pregnancies, pregnancy complications, uh, or even patients who have changed their minds mid-abortion. These anecdotes add a human dimension to these articles, right? But they also highlight the fact that these scenarios happen to real women, and they're not just thought experiments for pro-life advocates to think about. Uh, so what have you learned about serving pregnant women from hearing these stories from your co-authors? Well, I've learned a lot about the different kinds of conflicts that women and, and sometimes their partners feel, especially when there's an unwanted pregnancy. There's the conflict between wanting, the, wanting a child at some point in the future, but not right now. Um, there's the conflict between the pressure put on a woman to have an abortion and how she feels about that. And uh, pregnancy and the abortion, well, the pregnancy often surfaces conflicts in the relationship between the woman and her partner. So here's an example. Uh, Dr. Matt Harrison contributed a couple of stories to this series about abortion reversal. And one of those stories was about the first time you ever encountered the abortion pill. It was in 2006, and I think the abortion pill came online about 2000, 2001. And he met a young woman named Ashley, whose boyfriend said he would support her if she ever got pregnant. Well, she did, and he didn't. Uh, Instead, he told her to go get an abortion. He gave her the money to do it. He said uh, if she didn't tell her parents, they. uh, he said if she didn't get the abortion, then her parents wouldn't understand. They'd kick her out of the house. She'd have to quit school. She'd never fulfill her dreams, you can imagine. So she goes to the abortion clinic. She takes the first pill. She regrets it. She goes home in an anxious state of mind, tries to figure out for a day or so what she could do. Finally, she goes to her mom. And her mom is really supportive and loving and takes her to a crisis pregnancy center. And the crisis pregnancy center sends her to Dr. Harrison. Well, it was the first time he had ever seen the abortion pill 
in action. And so he has to figure out what to do. He talks to Ashley. Then he excuses himself. He goes and looks at some of the literature. What's the mechanism of action of Mifepristone? And he thinks, well, if I give her progesterone, it might outcompete the Mifepristone and save the pregnancy. So he proposes this to Ashley. He tells her, you know, I've never done this before. It should work. There are some risks involved. Here what they are. And Ashley goes for it. Fortunately, it works. And, you know, Dr. Harrison hits upon how you reverse an abortion. He gets involved with Dr. George Delgado and the abortion pill reversal protocol. That's been pretty well developed at this point. Uh, so, but then there's, there's another thing that, that Matt Harrison's story taught me. I started thinking um, about Ashley's story. And if I was going to think deeply about this abortion issue, I should listen to the stories of women who actually went through with their abortions. And these stories are really easy to find. Uh, Planned Parenthood websites have lots of them. There's a project called the One in Three Campaign. Uh, but, the, but the one I've learned the most from is a podcast called The Abortion Diary. The Abortion Diary. Now, I don't agree with the pro-choice goals of the project, but I got to say the woman who directs it and the women who tell their stories, they deserve a lot of credit for being honest. And when, when I listened to these stories, I heard Ashley's story over and over again. Young woman is looking for a meaningful relationship. Uh, she starts dating a guy or gets involved with a guy. She becomes pregnant. Maybe the guy abandons her and the isolation motivates her to get an abortion. Or maybe the guy sticks with her. They decide they're not ready for children. Um, often the, the, pre, uh, the pregnancy makes the couple confront the problems in their relationship. They realize they want children, but not with each other. Uh, there are some children, uh, there are some women who don't want children at all. Uh, you hear stories of women who find themselves in really desperate circumstances. So there are a lot of different situations. Uh, I think many of these situations probably sound familiar to APLOG's membership, um, especially if they now have patients, uh, women who've had abortions. So, um, that's uh, I've I've looked into not only the stories of those I've published, but also stories of, of women who've had abortions. Those are definitely some some powerful stories, really highlighting the complexities of of women's experiences. And I'll link the abortion diary in the show notes. Next question, aside from what, what you've just mentioned, what would you learn from listening to these stories might be helpful to our pro-life OBGYNs? Well, a few things come to mind. Uh, I would say themes that weave themselves through many of these stories. Uh, first of all, women who've had abortions absolutely hate it when pro-lifers try to make them feel guilty or shame, uh, tell them they've killed their babies. Uh, so avoid that for sure these women already recognize that they've ended their child's life and they know the reasons why the choice seemed right to them, at least at the time. And they often already feel guilt and shame and grief. So coming to grips with all of that is often part of their healing process. 
after their abortion. So if you're a pro-life OBGYN, you're actually one of the best people a woman can have as part of the healing process. Um, you, you know, your counseling, your knowledge of science and medicine can help her understand her body. Uh, but if you've been practicing pro-life medicine, you can help her understand the beautiful me meaning of her own fertility. You can help her understand her value as a woman. So that's, that's the first thing that I would say. The second is connected with it. There's another theme in these stories that having a baby after abortion is often another part of the woman's healing process. Uh, some women after abortion worry that they can't have a child now and becoming pregnant again shows them that they can. Um, but they might be scared of losing that child. So if, now, if you've been practicing pro-life medicine, you're better able to show how those complicate, you know, any complications that arise that she's worried about are probably not going to prevent her from having a baby. And that can be a really healing thing for, for a woman. Um, so I'll mention one more theme then. Uh, I've also heard many women in these stories say, having an abortion showed me the need to grow up and get my act together. And this is often younger women that are teenagers or 20-something, uh, maybe early 30s. Uh, but there's a, there's, a, there's a a story on the site uh, among the, the series that I published uh, this, that really is, illustrates this point nicely. Uh, Dr. Elizabeth Nelson tells a story about a patient who becomes pregnant in her late 40s. First time she's ever been pregnant. She's an out-of-control diabetic who she has never stuck to her diet. She's never taken her meds. Um, and so it's no wonder that it's the first time she's ever been pregnant or that she's pregnant at all. At all. But she desperately wants this child. Every doctor she sees tell her, tells her she has to abort because the risk is too high. Well, Dr. Nelson says, okay, here's what you have to do. So for the first time in this woman's life, she sticks to her diet and her meds, and she turns her life around because she wants this child. So one of the lessons is you never know what experience is going to motivate your patient to turn her life around. Um, this this patient was in her 40s, but if your patient is a teenage girl or a 20-something, I'd say try to talk with her about delaying sexual relationships until marriage. Um, many of those I-need-to-get-my-act-together abortion stories happen because a young woman has a sexual relationship without the, su the support of a full human relationship. You know, the culture tells her, discover your identity with sex or it's your choice for whenever you're ready for it, and so on and so forth. But that doesn't really work. And women's abortion stories often show how um, sex outside of marriage sets a woman up for an abortion, but there, there's some, it, it really, both the abortion and the sexual relationships without marriage reflect a kind of, I need to get my life together but they're not really doing it. So there are, a few, there are a few insights that I've gained from these stories that I think would be helpful 
to APLOG membership and any, any pro-life medical professional who's out there. Those are certainly helpful insights. Dr. Brown, thank you. And, and pro-life medical professionals are certain, certainly in a good position to walk alongside their patients, no matter what they're dealing with uh, during this pregnancy, and, and to, to show them from the perspective of a medical expert what, what's possible in their lives. Uh, so uh, looking towards the future, uh, Dr. Brown, what is your vision for the future of this series? What topics are you hoping to cover, and uh, who are you hoping to hear from? Well, the future vision is to publish more stories. Um, I've got some ideas that I'll, I'll give in a minute, but these stories are going to come from the practice and the situations of, of pro-life medical professionals. Um, you know, you've got a great position in which to introduce stories into your patients' personal histories that are much better than some of the stories that we're hearing now in a, in a row-shaped world. But here are some stories that I think would have a particular impact. Um, first of all, how do you care for women who've already had abortions? How can you be part of their healing process? What do you say? Another one, uh, how do you assure a patient and a family that they don't need an abortion and that you can safely manage their high-risk pregnancy? Uh, there's a nice line in Dr. Stephen Blaha's story he says, in my experience, how a woman is counseled during the very first meeting influences the decisions she makes later on. Well, he's talking about an emergency room situation, but I think what he's, what he's saying applies broader to the kind of counseling that women receive in their doctor's offices. Also, uh, abortion reversal stories are good. And I would ask pro-life medical professionals to sit back and ask themselves, what are the cases that really taught them something? And what did it teach them? Because many of these, you know, pro-life practice is going to impact people in, in subtle ways um, that may escape, you know, all the sound bites that you hear flying around the, the political discussion. Um, also cases that drew a community together. That's in, those are important stories to tell because some women get abortions because they feel isolated and unsupported. Uh, there's a nice story in my series contributed by Dr. Mike Egnor. He tells the story of a hard case of a disabled kid requiring constant care for about the 10 years of his life. And at his funeral, it was packed with people because, uh, his care drew together a community that was much larger than anything the parents would have expected when they got the diagnosis that his child had this, this really disabling uh, condition. Um, lastly, it doesn't have to be a case of a patient that you've treated. Um, a physician assistant, uh, Megan Blum, tells the story of how she got pregnant during grad school to become a physician assistant. And her story is important because many women will get abortions because they're in graduate school and they think they can't do both. Um, and in our society, people think, well, the smart thing to do in that case is to get an abortion. Well, it's not the smart thing to do. And Megan's story uh, shows how she became pregnant during graduate school. She wasn't planning to, but she did. 
And she and her family came up with a plan in order to allow her to finish her graduate program and also give birth to their child. So there are some ideas of stories that I think would have a great impact, uh, but I'm certainly looking for medical professionals to think about the stories that taught them something and that they think would have an impact. I know for a fact that a lot of our members do have really powerful stories that fit the description of what you're looking for. So uh, for any listeners who might be interested in working with you who have stories like what you're describing, uh, where can they reach out to you? Well, the project site is on a website called Rehumanize International. And if you go there, you look across the top under projects, you'll see Pro-Life Professional Insight. Pro-Life Professional Insight, that's the name of the project. You see the introduction to the project and below the introduction, you see links to all the stories. Um, I've also got a website, uh, whereiswisdom.today, whereiswisdom.today. And there's a contact form that you can get in touch with me. Also, I just mentioned the project page, Pro-Life Professional Insight, and there's a link to the same contact form at the bottom of the introduction. You can get in touch with me that way. Um, also, there's an email address that I set up, prolifestories at proton.me, proton, P-R-O-T-O-N dot me. So prolifestories at proton.me. Um, there are three different ways then that you can get in touch with me. All right, and I'll be sure to link all of those in the description of the episode. So, Dr. Brown, thank you so much for joining us today for sharing to share your insights. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. And to our listeners, please be sure to check out Dr. Brown's articles. Uh, we, we just described how you can find them. Um, they'll also be linked in the description of this episode.